From Buffalo, Toronto Public Media and WBFO, this is Buffalo What's Next Producers Picks. Highlights of conversations from previous episodes. On this week's episode, they also had those feelings of where does the safety begin or where does it end? They didn't really know what was going on. Like when I had the initial circle sit down, they were just like, I'm scared to go to school. I'm scared to go grocery shop. Don't want to go to Tops at all. We'll hear from Nakaya McCann from the Buffalo All-Star Extreme Dance and Cheer Team. Next. I mean, like Dan was saying, to kind of like form this area of change or something different where we can uh, gear uh, the progression towards something different and better. From Healing Grounds Coffee and Sanctuary, Dan White and Osman Ndayisawa. And finally, we're not we're not just one style barbershop. We cut everybody here. We service everybody, right. everyone. You know what I mean? Right. Kenny Harris and the crew from Signature Cuts. First off, NPR's podcast series, Embedded, recently chose to center a number of their episodes around the Buffalo All-Star Extreme Cheerleading and Dance Team. One of the base's senior members and now coach, Nakaya McCann, was tapped to host the podcast series and joined Jay Moran to discuss the process of creating the NPR podcast as well as the eventful year that the Bass family endured. Nakaya, a Buffalo native going now to Virginia State uh, University, uh, but also the host of the NPR podcast Embedded, Buffalo Extreme, for just joining us. Uh, uh, the podcast talks a lot about uh, the Bass team, uh, the uh, cheerleading and dance team here in Buffalo, but also uh, reflects us back to uh, May 14th and how it has impacted so many people here in the community. And uh, they've kept Nakaya very busy here over the uh, the last year. We talked about how things have changed for for the team, but the podcast takes us through a lot of the ups and downs of the of the team over the last year, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. So let's uh, let's review a little bit. We're going to encourage people, obviously, to go check out the the podcast yes. for themselves. But give us a little taste of what what went on for Base over the last year. For the last year, base has honestly been through a roller coaster that's just nonstop. Um, the first roller coaster was the mass shooting, and um, a lot of our girls live in the surrounding areas of Tops. You know that East Side area. You know, um, just common areas, and a lot of our kids also do either live or directly, you know, across the street or two blocks down. Um, given that, a lot of our girls either one stopped coming because it was just like you know they there's a lot coming. of yeah it yeah. was just a lot of high emotions going on for a lot of them and then um aside from the mass shooting we Antiani decided to close that gym because of safety and there were girls coming up to her like you know I don't want to come back and I don't want to be at base if we're going to be at Main Street and she was just like you know I was already looking into a gym so let me just get this together but you can't just open a gym in a right, day and right. expect it to up and run regardless if you have 100 girls or 20 you know um and given that we moved gyms for 5 for 5 to 6 months they didn't have a gym they didn't have any mats they couldn't train the way that they were supposed to and they couldn't get ready for competition season so it also set them back for competitions um all-star cheers all year round but for them this year, it was very, very cut short because they didn't have a gym. Um, and then during that time, we had went back to square one, which was the crucial center for us, um, which is Nomad's hardwood floor. We had to share the gym with the dancers and the cheerleaders. And also it being just a community center, we had to share it with other people. So it was like, you know, there's about 150 people coming in and out, whether that's for cheer, dance, or just the community in general. So we had to go back to that and then... 
competition season came, and the first competition, you know, it was good, but, you know, we knew they could be better. But there were just things that were definitely in the way because their mental still wasn't in it. There was a couple girls on the senior team that couldn't compete because their academics. There's a couple people on the senior team. Academics? So yeah, their academics were in the way as well. Oh, you know, so, so it was, it was wasn't going for that. Oh, huh? no, Asiani <laughs> and my mom were definitely not going for that. And, um, you know, they had their fair share of that. And we also had the, the overcome the fact that these girls were not okay either. You know, we expect children to move on because it's like, you know, you're a child, you don't really understand or you don't know. But in reality, um, just us prepping them for future and success, we definitely had that turnaround and blow up in our faces. Um, Those girls are very emotionally intelligent. And that's what I've learned doing the interviews, that they were truly impacted through it as well. That's what I learned throughout this year, not just from moving. So let's let's explore that a little bit, if you don't mind. What um, were some of the things that they were saying to you? The interviews were kind of hardcore for me because, you know, I'm usually in the hot seat of being a big sister, you know, for them. We're like just looking up to them in general, you know, they're looking up to me. Um, but in this situation, I was kind of more on the side of actually listening and talking to them, not only about cheer, like, oh, like do this to make your jumps better. Now it was like, you know, how are you? Mm. You know, what's going on? Like, how do you feel? And were you picking up on cues where people were, sometimes we say, how are you? And you, know, you might get, oh, I'm good. Yeah. Or I'm all right. <laughs> or, I'm all right. <laughs> Those but, are the answers that I get, the normal basic answers, which is, you know, I'm fine, I'm cool, I'm good. And I was just like. No, I had really? to. I had to definitely kick in those um, podcast things, you know, those interviewer things, which was like, you know, oh well, why do you feel fine? You know, like those. I had to keep coming back with questions with them because just one one worded questions weren't working. Like you know, just the how are you, and then I got the blunt blunt answer of oh I'm fine, mm-hmm. and it was like no, you know. So I had to keep pulling that out of them. Um, I just had to keep asking questions back to back to get the answers that I wanted, which was, I want you to tell me what's really wrong. And then it also just made it way better because I'm their big sister. It's not like they're talking to like um, my mom or, you know, Auntie Yanni. They're not talking to a parent. So they were way more open as well. You know, some of the interviews we, like Milani, for example, it only took like one interview and she was full on open. But there were other kids that were just like, you know, I have to keep talking. I have to keep going. You know, we did interviews with Nysir like twice, three times because it was like the first interview was just so like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. And I'm just like, that's not how, I know her. That's not how she sounds. That's definitely not how she performs either. You know, I just had to keep coming back. It was like, you know, I'm not going to give up. And I know that they feel some type of way because it showed through their cheer performance. So oh, so you could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, what did you see like, when you say their cheer performance? What was missing? What can you that, see? How can you describe honestly, that? Honestly, for a cheerleader, especially an all-star cheerleader, you get based, you get scored and judged off of just your performance in general. Like, even though you did the skill good, you have to perfect it. Like, you know, you have to basically fit the part and look the part. You know, you can't just slap lipstick on a bow, uh, lipstick and bow on somebody and expect them to go on the stage. It was kind of like we expected them to have lipstick and a bow on and put on a great performance. And then it was like, I'm used to this girl having the best facials and the, like, you know, like just that high energetic energy. That's what you're supposed to have when you're a cheerleader. You want to put on a, a show, you're a performer. Um, 
but it was like dead. Like their faces were dead. Like a lot of stuff that they love to do, like normal, you know, motions that we've specifically made up for them. They were just like super, just like not lazy, but it was like, you know, this is not you, you know, so what's really going on? Right. And what were you, what were you finding then? Like, so what's really going on? What, 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 what were people? It sounds like you. It sounds like you really have the interviewers' yeah. uh, touch when it comes to, to digging. But then, what what came up of, of those conversations? What, what were you hearing? What came up out of those conversations was, you know, one with, with like Milani. She was just like, you know, I still feel some type of way. I watched the video and mm. I still see, you know, sometimes when I have to, because she has to go past tops, you know, every day. She's like, when I go past there, I just remember the video, and I'm like. That's not something that you should remember. And it was um, with Nysera. She was just like, I'm. my feelings are hurt. You know, she also did lose somebody uh, related as well. Um, but she was just like, you know, I don't, I'm not feeling okay. You know, I'm not feeling okay at all, actually. I want to tell you what's wrong. And she told me, she was just like, you know, I don't, I don't even want to go to a funeral. Like, I don't want to go to Tops. I don't want to go to base. I don't want to go anywhere. Why should I have to go somewhere where I don't feel comfortable? Then um, some of the girls were also involved in schools where it was just like, even after that, there were like silly pranks. Like, you know, oh, well, I'm going to come up to your school and do this. And then it was like, they also had those feelings of where does the safety begin or where does it end? They didn't really know what was going on. Like when I had the initial circle sit down, they were just like, I'm scared to go to school. I'm scared to go grocery shopping now. I don't want to go to Wegmans with my mom. I don't want to go to Tops at all. I told my mom to keep me home when we go grocery shopping. And it was like, no. Like, it's those are the things I started finding out when we started getting into it a little bit more. Those are not answers that I got the first time around when we did that initial circle up. So it took them a couple months to get, like, deeply embedded in their feelings. And I was like, you know, let me try talking to the girls. And that's just really where it all jump-started. Wow. It, it, it's, it's interesting to hear how you're saying that – it's not a surprise to hear that young people are, are impacted, but yet at the same time, we're not necessarily hearing mm-hmm. from the young people of, of Buffalo right. about this. You know, we've, I mean, we've had we've done dozens of interviews here, obviously, <laughs> with a lot of different people, and we've had um, great conversations about it. But young people, I mean, these yes. are the people that we need mm-hmm. to take over next. And that's the, that's exactly why um, I said it a couple times, like in the podcast. Um, their voices need to be heard. You know, nobody, I don't think anybody expected it to have a ripple effect on the younger generation, whether that ranges from ages 6 to 18. You know, nobody really thought about the kids afterwards. It was kind of like adult feelings, you know. It was a type of situation where it was like, you know, only adults could feel this way. And it was in reality, it was kind of like, I was seeing it firsthand at base that it was like, no, these kids are, they feel some type of way too. You know, I also feel a way. And there was just other people, like, friends or, like, just people on social media that were also posting. It was like, I feel a way. And it was like, nobody's listening to, our, like, the kids. Nobody's listening to us. You know, our voices are so small compared to an adult. You know, and it was like they never had the opportunity or the chance to be like, you know, I was impacted and I want to tell the story. So, How are the girls doing? Are they? Do you sense that? I don't want to say improving because that's not really the right, <laughs> right. word I'm, I want to get to, but that they're moving through these stages. Do you sense that? Yes. Um, some of the girls are definitely moving through, you know, the stages of grief, and they're definitely 
um, moving through positive stages. Like they've been picking up, you know, Cheers, their outlet, but they, excuse me, they've also been picking up things like, you know, art and poetry as well. Like they've been picking up music. Um, So they've been finding things that have um, helped with their coping as well. You know, it's sad that they had to go through something for them to feel like they have to pick up other things to feel okay. Um, But some of the girls have definitely taken this and kind of like flipped it. Like Milani um, and Rakaya, they have flipped it. And now uh, Rakaya, she writes poetry. Mm. She does, you know, flag football for school. Uh, Milani, she does plays. And, you know, she also does art and things like extracurricular. Um, Our little girls, you know, some of them did have a little bit of a strong feeling, but not like, you know, too much, too much, because they are still like between the ages of four and like eight. Right. But, um they've also been like you know more a little bit more high spirited and that's also because that comes from us doing the check-ins with them at practice and outside of practice we're talking with uh nikaya mccann this morning on buffalo what's next host host of the npr podcast embedded buffalo extreme thank you very much for uh, joining us here on uh, buffalo what's next i if you don't mind, I'd I'd like to get into now because obviously there's a lot of serious elements yes. to this story, but at the same time, there's also a fascination for me about the process of putting this podcast together. Mm-hmm. You're from Buffalo. We're talking about Buffalo. You're down at school at Virginia State. Talk about what it was like producing this podcast. Mm-hmm. What? How was? How was this accomplished? I mean, I know how hard it is just to do this program every day with three of us trying to trying to run it. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine what this was like. Honestly, it was really hard. Like, um, when I talk about it, I definitely have to take a deep breath because it's it's something that was not built overnight for sure. Like, there was nights where it was like. I'm up all day doing schoolwork and I'm also up doing backtracking. Like I'm, I'm tired, <laughs> you know, like there was weekends where it was like, you know, I do want to go do school activities, but it was like, I really want to do this podcast. I don't really care about missing, you know, parties or anything like that. I want to make sure that this podcast was out. The process was such a long process. Like even just when they first pitched it to me, honestly, I was just like, you know, I'm already knowing this is going to be hard. Like, you know, I had my doubts about that too. Um, they kind of made it a little easy, but not really. You know, they <laughs> no. worked around my school no. schedule, but it was also <laughs> like, you know, we have a job. We have to get this out. You know, like it was like, you know, there was hours of taping. There was hours of conversation. There was sometimes there was times where I had to take breaks in between. That's just like it's too intense. You know, there was times like that. The initial process of it is just it felt like I went through the alphabet A through Z, <laughs> honestly, like. I went through every, you know, emotion. I went through every, like, mental challenge as well and just physical. I'm not used to really talking in front of a microphone and having it, you know, in my face when I say anything, you know. And also, like, just the personal effect of it. Just we're not used to having any type of media or anything or, you know, I'm not used to having to talk with, you know, my aunt and my mom with uh, a microphone. And also just getting those interviews too was really hard because they're in school and I'm in school I'm out of state so it was like you know whenever I had time to I was like you know I had this free weekend let's go to Buffalo let's try to do this you know um so you and a producer would come to Buffalo yes the um yes she would um and it was hard because it was like on days that I was like completely free they weren't and it was like days that um uh they were completely free I weren't and then 
just me having to come back and forth from Buffalo and then I went to a competition and then I went to Florida. It was really hard trying to balance school and the podcast because it was like, there's no way I could make this 50 50. <laughs> it was kind of like a hundred percent and a hundred percent, you know, <laughs> I can't fail school and I can't fail this podcast. So it was like, you know, it was a constant, you know, battle of trying to balance everything. Um, and it's, it was definitely hard. Cause it was nice where I was like, you know, I have to do my schoolwork early in the morning just so we can get this all done by tonight, you know. And also, when I was coming back to Buffalo, we had times where it was like, you know, we're meeting at 11 a.m. and I wouldn't, we wouldn't get done recording and taping and getting everything together until 12 a.m. Like the next, like, you know, 12 a.m. Like those are full, you know, shifts. You know, there's breaks in between, of course, but nobody expects you to record in that much time. Then I only had probably like, two to three times where I was in the studio. Most of it was Zoom work. Most of it was just trying to get in person, in person, but most of it was Zoom work. And the other half was like recorded tapes from them and recorded tapes from me. And they sent me with a recorder and I'm just like, what do I do with this? You know, like, um, what's going on? Like I was hearing about levels and I'm hearing about different words and vocabulary. And I'm like, okay. I see what this is gonna be. It's definitely gonna be a big roller coaster, but I'm ready for it. It was one of those roller coasters that you're not scared of. It was kind of like a, a kitty roller coaster, but it wasn't like, it was just like that because I wasn't. It was like a kitty roller coaster, but it was like with a huge ride. Like it just was an ongoing. Kept going. One. Like it just was, the fear of it being a huge roller coaster, but in a kitty manner. <laughs> so gotcha. that's just kind of how it felt. And then you actually went down to the NPR studios yes, in I Washington? Went, yes, I went down to NPR studios in Washington for three days. And out of those three days, we worked. Like, we worked. I was in the studio um, recording. I did interviews. and But they made it a very comfortable process. Like, if I didn't want to talk about anything at the time, that was a free space for me not to. There was also times where it was like, you know, if I need a mental day, I had a mental day. There were... Um, when I was in D.C., they made it very comfortable for me. Like, Raina and Andrew, they definitely made it very, very comfortable. Like, just the whole schedule in general. And also just seeing how NPR honestly works is kind of weird, too, because it was, like, people working below, and it was also people working in the studios. I'm walking past studios. Um, there's things that I listen to on social media that is based there, like the tiny desk. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was kind of fangirling, definitely. <laughs> and just seeing, like, a big studio like that, it was it was, was kind of weird for me because I classify myself as, like, a small, a small city girl from Buffalo. Like, you don't expect yourself to go from Buffalo to a national podcast, especially, and then go to their winter headquarters in D.C. Like, you don't expect that, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was new. Next up on Producers Picks, you'll hear from the individuals responsible for Healing Grounds Coffee and Sanctuary. Dan White and Osman and W. Sabwa spoke with Thomas O'Neill White to talk about the community space they're creating in the west side of Buffalo, all centered around a warm cup of coffee. I think people in the neighborhood fondly remember Sweetness 7, and that's the space Healing Grounds uh, resides in now. Do you feel like you're bringing the old vibe back that Sweetness had, or are you going going about it differently? Uh, I think we're going about it a little differently. We're bringing in a different community, and we're bringing in a different group of people. Uh, we're also, you know, uniting everybody that's in the area, trying to uh, make something that's 
some something similar to what Sweetness Seven had, but it's gonna be more inclusive and more geared towards health and mind and body. What what in by different community? What do you mean by that? Yeah, um, so we have uh, groups from Cafe Aroma, which is another cafe up the street, and uh, there are people that are interested in what we're creating down here, so they're looking to support us in any way they can. Uh, they've been helping us with moving bricks outside of the building that we've been cleaning up, and there's a lot of community that's being uh, brought together along with this. Yeah, you you talked both talked about there a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that, that went into this project. So I've read Healing Grounds being called a, a worker cooperative that bucks the hierarchical uh, nature of the played out corporate work, workplace. Is that the idea you're going for? And what does that mean? Um, we don't often think of cafes as a, as a corporate workplace in any way. Yeah. Um, so we are a worker cooperative, which um, is gives an opportunity for not only um, myself and Osman um, to be owners of this business, but it gives our uh, the people that work for us, our employees, a path to worker ownership. So, you know, your typical job, like if you're an employee, you're never going to be own. You're never going to own it unless you, you know, and even if you become the CEO, that doesn't necessarily mean you own it. So this really gives an opportunity for people to take power back over their labor and, and feel valued in the workplace. And, um, you know, you don't necessarily think of cafes as a, a corporate place, but you know Starbucks is probably like the most corporate cafe, you know, or more so a coffee shop that you could think of. But yeah, when I go to a Starbucks, which I don't, <laughs> um, but anytime I've been in a Starbucks, it's a very like cold feeling environment. Everyone's in their own worlds, like not talking to each other, which which is fine. And sometimes cafes are good places to go do your work and you know like be in your own space but mm -hmm. um also what we're you know offering and, and creating and cultivating is people to be able to connect with each other you know we have big community tables that people can sit next to each other and and share ideas so like what osman was saying we do have some of the some same things that you know sweetness was about which you know was about health and community but it's kind of bringing a bunch of different communities together the community that Osman and others had cultivated at Cafe Aroma and all the people that he's met along the way and all the people that I've met along the way that are coming into the space to support us and, and all the neighborhood people and, and all the people that did go to Sweetness and, and supported that space and that it meant a lot to them are, are also coming back into the space and just happy that, you know, there's another cafe. And, and I already see, you know, and within a week that we open, there's already regulars, you know, and, like, people coming in every day. So we're just grateful for the support of, of all those people. And let's get into, like, health. I mean, community obviously is, like, the thread of what you guys do. Um, but with the the sanctuary, that is that the same space as where Healing Grounds is? Is it, is it the same space? So there's two addresses. There's a 220 Grant Street, which is um, the cafe, and that's on the corner of Grant and Lafayette. And then there's 218, which is the storefront uh, right right next door to it um this is a small uh, storefront community space where we have different events like uh, open mic nights and intuitive paint nights we also have you know healing circles you know and men's circles and women's circles and 
people circles and it's also open to other people in the community to be able to rent it uh, whether for like a working space or to have a workshop or have their own events so yeah so it can be inviting to other people to be able to utilize it and so it's 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 a community space yeah, basically for sure. yeah. is it um how do you get that word out how do you promote that hey we're not just a, a cafe like we've got all these other things going on is it just like the foot traffic that comes in or are you promoting it in different ways what yeah. does that look like uh we have our social media page uh we have our instagram page the healing grounds co-op you can follow us on there we have most of our flyers and our um live events that are coming up and reoccurring events posting on there uh we have a lot of foot traffic yeah um the two spaces operate uh at the same time basically so when you want you can rent it out to be a sanctuary and have it like an office or you can rent out the cafe or just show up to the cafe and have coffee you know or have the sanctuary spaces place to do an office job and have coffee delivered into there so they'll be working in conjunction together so it's a little something different but also offers something that uh, the community can get uh, involved in and it be reaching into a different space you know you get office space you got a place where you can do yoga and study so yeah they're offering a bunch of different things right now seems like it fits in well with the neighborhood that part of the west side the grant that grant street corridor mm-hmm. and and you guys both live in that community talk a little bit about that yeah so um <clears throat> I've, I'm originally from Long Island, New York, um, like North Massapequa, and I had the opportunity to move to Buffalo about nine years ago to just get a fresh start with more opportunities. It was cheaper living. Long Island was just becoming, you know, overpopulated and, and too expensive to live. And, um, and yeah, I, I just didn't like living there, to be honest. Did you have any contacts here at all? Uh, yeah, I had one, one friend that, that I knew, and he kind of just was like, um, gave me the opportunity to you know stay with them and, and get, get a job and just said uh, there's more opportunity here and it was just starting to to grow like you like we were talking about earlier is it it just starting to to build and gain some momentum so I gave it a chance and just like left left everything and um, yeah and then I kind of started you know building my life and uh, settled in on the west side and um, about five years ago I, I bought my first home um, around the corner from where uh, you know, Sweetness 7 was. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then since it closed, uh, there's kind of been like a gap in, in that space and it was kind of like a central part uh, of the West Side. And um, yeah, and there's a lot of like people out there that are that are hurting and, and suffering. A lot of people that are, you know, addicted to drugs and have, you know, mental health issues and uh, experiencing poverty. Um, and it's interesting to, you know, uh, being like a, a gentrifying neighborhood while also like noticing and witnessing so many right. people being in poverty and being in poverty like myself you know I, I had the opportunity to buy my own home but I've kind of just been like scraping by to make it but I um, decided to invest in myself um, to believe that I can you know didn't have to succumb and just like work for somebody else and and make uh, one person rich while they, they didn't value me and wanted, just gave me enough barely to live and uh, I knew I could create something better and not just opportunity for myself but for others to be able to you know gain some some equity and and ownership of things um damn the man (laughs) (laughs) um osman from from our brief 
brief conversation uh, before we went on. Um, yeah. You've got a in- very interesting background. Yeah. Talk to uh, me about it. I uh, was born in Kigali, Rwanda. I, uh, we survived the Rwandan genocide in 94, and I immigrated to America in 2000. Grew up on the west side all my life. Uh, we settled in the Richmond area, and uh, I was able to see what's going on in the community growing up in it. I went to high school nearby. I went to Canisius High, and I was walking distance away. And, uh, yeah, I was just able to see both sides of, like, the rift of what's going on in uh, that central area of Buffalo. And basically just it just encouraged me, like Dan was saying, to kind of, like, form this area of change or something different where we can uh, gear uh, the progression towards something different and better, right? So, yeah. I've always been a big fan of coffee, so I <laughs> yeah I've always been a big fan of coffee and uh, making drinks. So the cafe has always been some like a dream hobby of mine, kind of like mm-hmm. want to start a business, being a coffee shop or like a little restaurant. So yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand. When I met Dan, things just kind of clicked and just decided to just go for it. Yeah. What were your first impressions of Buffalo? Was it like the first time you had been to the United States? Uh, yes, Buffalo was the first place. Um, that was my first exposure to the United States, and yeah, I liked it. The community was helpful. Um, there was, I grew up and went to school at School Forty Five when when I first landed here, and it was a very uh, culture pot mix of people, so uh, it wasn't too hard to meet people that were like me or from an area near mine or even spoke the same language. Uh, every day I walk them down Grand Street and I hear people speaking language that I already speak. So was that did that offer you like kind of like a, a certain comfort level? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was very comfortable to make it seem like, you know what, you're not so far away from home. Absolutely. So it was always having like a community nearby that you can always just kind of tap into. So you've been here 23 years. Um, what are your feelings of the city now as compared to when you first moved here? How old were you when you first moved here? I was seven when I first moved here. Okay. Landed in somewhere around September. So, yeah, I was seven years old. Uh, when I first got the impression of Buffalo, it was uh, it was new, of course, and um, my friends were always supportive of me and inclusive of me and making sure that I was uh, feeling welcomed into this country. So I never really grew up with a negative uh, outlook on just being away from home. Yeah, so it was always something that I always had backup in and support. Yeah. And now the two of you are working together. Yeah, I mean, man. who would have thought, you know, someone from Rwanda, someone from Long Island coming together. Talk to me about this partnership. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I met husband uh, some years ago um, at Cafe Roma because, uh, you know, that was a coffee shop that I, I like to, to frequent and yeah, I just loved his energy and, and just noticed that, like, he just had the sense of community that he brought around himself just, like, by working at this coffee shop and, and just saw that he was not just working there, he was pretty much running it, like, single-handedly, like, you know, every time yeah. I'd go there, there would either be him, like, working by himself or a bunch of new people that, you know, didn't know how to make my drink, so I was like, oh, I, I love showing up, seeing Ozzy, and I knew he was going to make it right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it kind of started... Um, building this co-op um, with some some friends um, and then uh, kind of just planted the seed uh, along the way that 
to Osman that I, I was doing this thing and, and I just seen his, his value um, and what he held and like the community that he, he created knew he would be a, a great addition so um, he was like yeah just let me know and you know when, when you're ready for me and uh, then he, he joined the team uh, and then from there we kind of just continued to build it and um, you know through other things, you know, things shifted and changed, and people had to, you know, leave the project to pursue other things. But me and Osmond were the ones that were able to, you know, stick it through and see it through mm-hmm. and yeah. come out the other side. And and now we're finally open, and it feels really good. I Definitely couldn't. Feels good. I wouldn't yeah, rather have I done it with anybody yeah, else. I couldn't have done it without him. Yeah. You see, you see it the same way, Osmond. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and as we were having the conversation yesterday, just kind of, um, about community and you you said our, our commonalities outweigh our differences and is then that's something you're you're trying to I guess promote with healing grounds and the sanctuary absolutely yeah I, I want and like a, a mission of ours is to you know bring people together of all like walks and shades of life you know mm-hmm. um, and realize that we we do have more in common you know we um, we're all humans, you know, I believe like we're, we're all part of the human race and, um, you know, race has been a thing to like pin us against each other to make us think that, that we're different, um, because of, you know, outside appearances, but really when, when it comes down to it, we all have a heart and, you know, I believe in, in a soul and I feel like we're all connected, you know, and, and we live on this earth, um, that is our home and, uh, yeah, and I think it's important, um, for us to, be able to come together because like when we come together we could build you know so many great things but when we're isolated and apart like you know what through covid and all that it's like mm-hmm. it, it keeps us disconnected and it, and it's and it's hard you know i feel like community and connection is an essential part of of life and i feel like we all need that and the more that we realize we you know we do have more in common uh, than our differences and mm. we'll be able to come up together yeah and this could be like an opportunity to basically um, like you were saying earlier, like how I was basically welcomed to, uh, or my experience were when I was welcomed to, Amer- to America and Buffalo. Uh, yeah, this could be an opportunity for me to basically share the community that I've gathered or cultivated with the rest of the community through Healing Grounds. Yeah. Is that a lot of work? No, Cultivate, really. Cultivating that community? Absolutely not. You're just going out. You're being friends with people. You're meeting people that are very interesting. You work together on certain projects. There's a lot of people that I've worked with art projects on, um, installments, or even just any ideas of things that I feel that are important to me, and these people back me up on, and boom, you have a community, and you've cultivated something. Yeah. Are you an artist, too? I am an artist, yeah. I draw, I sketch, I paint. I do digital art, traditional art. Uh, I'd like to get into the sculpting, <laughs> so that's that's probably one medium I haven't tried, but yeah, I'm pretty handy with most mediums. Um, one one thing that you know that I haven't got into that you know I'm looking at my question list right now. The people want to know what's on the menu. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we got healthy food. Um, Everything is gonna be basically organic and very healthy going to have um, rutabag pancakes, French toast, breakfast, uh, breakfast served foods like wraps, sandwiches, uh, tempeh BLTs. Uh, why, don't, why don't you name out some of our specialties then? Yeah, yeah. So like the whole idea behind the cafe is very like holistic uh, approach to things. So, 
you know, being very intentional of like all the ingredients that, that go and everything down to like the spices, you know, being mm-hmm. all organic and, you know, using like extra virgin olive oil instead of like your typical uh, vegetable oil. Right. And, um, you know, sourcing things like locally, you know, from, you know, either local farms or um, trying to keep, you know, the local food chain uh, shortened and supporting, you know, smaller companies. Um, but yeah, like our breakfast sandwiches are definitely like a signature. I, I I know from Long Island, you know, coming from Long Island, it's like that was my thing. A, a bacon, egg, and cheese is like, you know, <laughs> everything. When I first came to Buffalo, I was on the hunt and I was searching and I, and I, you know, couldn't find the one that was you know it for me so i was like i just gotta open my own place and yeah so but it's got a a different twist on it um so we're sourcing all our bread from uh, bread hive which is another uh, worker cooperative Mm -hmm. and um and so yeah two fried eggs with some uh kale that's like marinated in some olive oil and salt and pepper uh, some tomato Mm -hmm. um, some raw cheddar cheese and then uh we've been making some uh our signature um tempeh bacon which uh is from um fermented mung beans and then we uh sauteed in um some liquid aminos and coconut uh, amino acids and okay. it gives us this very like savory flavor that's like um close to bacon but it's it's a lot healthier for you it's good probiotic good for your um your gut health and okay um yeah so it's our little twist on like uh the breakfast sandwich and um but yeah like you were saying um Ayurvedic pancakes, which is another like healthy twist. You know, Ayurveda is a uh, ancient Indian medicine, um, which is also like holistic and um, deals with a lot of like um, different herbs, medicinal herbs and, and spices that are you know healing to the body. So there's a lot of that infused in, in what we're offering. So it, um, the batter is made from oats instead of uh, flour, so it's gluten free. Um, and then, yeah, just a lot of, like, intentional greens, cinnamon and cardamom and ginger and, and dates and uh, different things. And, uh, yeah, all sorts of lunch items and, and uh, paninis, chicken pesto paninis mm-hmm. and black bean burgers. and uh, Yeah, yeah that's very healthy. Stuff. Very healthy. Um, what, what were your, what are, what's going to be your hours of operation once you've you had the grand opening? Yeah, so, um... We're looking to expand, but right now we're uh, Thursdays through Sundays, 8 to 5, at the corner of Healing Grounds, yeah. And then the grand opening, Saturday, July 1st, um, anything, I mean, obviously it's a grand opening, mm-hmm. but is it? Is there anything like special that's that's that you got going on? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a special all-day event. Um, we'll be open initially... Um, from like eight to twelve, just our like normal hours to serve breakfast, and then uh, from twelve on into into the night, we're we'll have people performing throughout the day, different like um, local performers um, um, playing inside music. the cafe or at the sanctuary. Uh, at the sanctuary, and but like we'll be utilizing both spaces for you know, okay. like, um, people to be able to you know get some food and some drinks, and um, it'll be art and yeah, just a lot of local artists and people come together, and so it'll, it'll be a big event. It'll be. Lots of fun, and uh, yeah, we're, we're excited for you. Me too, yeah. And the feedback from the community, all positive? Yeah, so far it's been incredible. You know, yeah. he- Hearing anyone say, like, this is the best omelet I ever had or the best coffee oh, yeah. I ever had, or the, you know, and just, like, being like, oh, I'm going to be coming here every day, just, like, and to see my my friends and, and you know, the people that work uh, with us, their, their families and uh, coming in the space and just, like, it just like fills my soul and and yeah i'm just happy to finally be in this part of like 
being open to the public and serving up some good food and medicine. Where do you see healing grounds in the sanctuary in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Uh, I can see it as being like the central hub of where the go-to like coffee spot to go and like conversate with friends and hang out or even like something more serious. You want like uh, something secluded in an office area where you can just go and focus and we can just transform it into that. Or even have it be like, oh, this is my yoga, my yoga studio. I'm gonna go and practice some yoga, I'll go meditate, or even uh, go see my uh, weekly, bi-weekly open mic nights. You know, so it, it, I see it being like a lot of things that fosters to the community and um, and the and the the flexibility of the space being able to be rented out to mm-hmm. uh, anything that the community basically asks for is something that is gonna be a a strength for us basically yeah and dan yeah i'm definitely ambitious and and a big dreamer but you know i like to just dream bigger than however big i think i can dream but um yeah i would like to potentially own you know the building that that uh, the cafe's in and and just have that be like a cooperative space in general and uh, i feel like the cooperative movement is building a lot of momentum in buffalo and just started with you know one uh, some years ago and uh, thanks to Cooperation Buffalo, uh, which is one of our partners that has been helping us to uh, make this possible, and they're like an incubator for for co-ops, and uh, and it it just builds a little community amongst us too. Like like you said, we're working with Bread Hive and you know Extra Extra Pizza, and you know a lot of different um, cooperatives that are coming up. But um, yeah, and I also see us potentially having some some more uh, spaces, some more healing grounds, cafes popping up throughout the city. And uh, and would eventually like love to get some lands, you know, collectively and, and have our own mm-hmm. farm and really be like a full like farm mm-hmm. to table, you know, restaurant and yep. and show that like we can support and sustain ourselves because like sustainability is uh, is one of our, our, our main things and how, you know, so. We're... So the last last question, um, and I ask this of uh, every guest, uh, very broad question. But what does Buffalo need? Better coffee. Good coffee, good food. Yeah, and the community. All right, by better coffee, what do you mean? Well, uh, prepared properly, obviously, and um, served properly. It's not just uh, curating beans and saying you're going to toss it into a machine. You're going to make good coffee. you got to have a good machine. you got to understand how to work it. you got to understand how to operate and... Um, if you're making espresso, the proper temperatures and the proper pressures. And if you're just making drip coffee, you got to have a proper recipe. So, like, a better tasting coffee. <laughs> a better tasting, <laughs> you know, the science exactly. of coffee coming at you. Right, right, right. And Dan? I would say um, healing and intention. Um, I think, like I was saying earlier, like, there's a lot of people that are they're hurting and suffering and a lot of what people just need is, you know, to feel like loved and valued and, and cared for. And um, so and um, just being mindful of like where the things that we're putting in and on our body are coming from and um, knowing the sources, you know, and uh, we also serve cacao at the cafe, not not just coffee, <laughs> and, uh, but our coffee also um, comes, you know, from an intentional place uh, from Eco Exchange. Um, 
and our cacao comes from Guatemala and it comes from these Mayan uh, women's collectives that have been harvesting these um, cacao trees for, for generations and put, putting a lot of good, like, uh, pure intention and, and love into it. And um, But, yeah, I think people... How'd you find out about them? Um, so a friend of mine had, uh, basically, he was... Um, holding cacao ceremonies during COVID, during like the lockdown. So this time where we're, mm-hmm. you know, supposed to be isolated from each other, uh, he was actually like bringing people together through it all and like being safe and cautious, you know, of course. But um, and then it, I drank this cacao, which is pretty much just chocolate in, in its most pure form, and uh, it just kind of planted a seed in my mind and like helped me to like get in touch deeper with myself and sent me on this like um, spiritual journey and then I ended up going to Guatemala and connecting with the people down there and, and through Cacao Source and um, the, the women's collectives and yeah it's just like a really beautiful like intentional beverage that it's kind of like coffee in a way it gives you some good energy and, and good feelings but uh, yeah it helps you to like sustain that energy throughout the day and has a lot of health benefits so but yeah, healing and attention, I think, uh, Buffalo and, and, and connection and community is what, what we all need. And finally, Kenny Harris and the crew from Signature Cuts. This is Buffalo What's Next. And recently we took the show down Main Street for a taste of community. Barbershop community, that is. Courtesy of the shop Signature Cuts. It's a busy Thursday in advance of a Saturday when most of the barbers will be heading to Connecticut for the Barber Expo. Kenny Harris, owner and operator of Signature Cuts, says it's money and time well spent. You know, being an elder, being an elder of the shop, you know, I got a lot of stars around me, man, young stars. Yeah. So we gonna show them the way. They gotta, they gotta see what's the next thing going on. You know, the set, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But these guys are good. They got a, you know, great opportunity. Um, the business is actually starting to flourish on a whole nother level. Far as just more corporate, you know what I mean. Far yeah. as just. We got all walks of life that comes by here. You know what I mean? Like, we're not we're not just one style barbershop. We cut everybody here. We service everybody, right. everyone. You know what I mean? Right. So it's a good opportunity, man, for everybody, man. We like yeah. I call us I call us the melting pot of Buffalo. You know, we the melting pot of Buffalo. You gonna never you never gonna see all kind of nationalities and walks of race in one area consistently. Right. All that, that's what we do. And that's what we that's what we feel. That's what we about. You know what I mean? All 11 barbers are busy. It's craft. It's performance art. This is Tarika Moppins. We spoke this winter, not long after she and her co-workers pulled people from the Christmas blizzard for a weekend safe and alive in a barbershop. And um, how's business been today? Business been busy today. Um, tomorrow's probably going to be a little bit more busier because we all leaving for the Barber Expo um, Saturday. So... Everybody really wanted to book their appointments for um, for Friday, so it's pretty busy for us. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then you're going, like you said, a barber expo in Connecticut. Oh yes, yes, yes. Have you been to one before? Um, I've been to one in Buffalo before. I've never been to one out of out of uh, out of state. Yeah, so this is the first time. It's probably it's majority of us is probably our first time going okay. to a barber expo out of town. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know kind of what to expect. Oh yeah, for the most yeah for the most part. See a lot celebrity barbers, uh, Instagram famous barbers, and all kind of all kind of stuff. Give me one celebrity barber and one Instagram famous barber, if you don't mind. Um, Three Sixty Jeezy is a is a celebrity barber. Um, the other lady name I follow her. She's Mayweather's barber. Oh um, yeah, Floyd Mayweather. Yes. Um, so she's out in Vegas. 
Iced Out, Iced Out Barber. She is Thanks, Vegas. Now. She's in Vegas. How'd you know that? We're Mayweather. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, she she's yeah. in Vegas. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So she's a celebrity. You been out to Vegas? I've been to Vegas, but I never went to her shop. I passed by it. Yeah. Uh, next time I'll go, I'm definitely going. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you learned. Something. The anniversary of 514 for Tarika was spent honoring Mother's Day. Her mom is gone, so she celebrated her aunt as family and friends came together on what she called a bittersweet day. What are you looking forward to next in your career? My career? I want to be a celebrity barber. <laughs> I want to travel. I want to be on uh, movie sets and doing stuff like that with the celebrities. And, you know, just I, I'm, I can do that though because I don't have any children, single, <laughs> and uh, just no really no, no responsibilities. <laughs> and where do you get your creative ideas from? Oh, that's a good question. Everybody around me. Yeah. All, all my all my barber brothers and sisters yeah. get my creative ideas from it. Look at that. Look at that design right there. That's creative. Very creative. So I get my ideas and I get inspired by all these guys in here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you have to like probably look at something the shape of somebody's head, right? All that, mm -hmm. To blend it all together. Oh yes, yes, yes. Wow. Sometimes sometimes things just be off the dome. You don't really gotta plan it. Just go for it and hope for the best. You know, I was no good in geometry when I was in, in high school, but it sounds like there's a ton of geometry in, in doing that, right? Nah. You don't no, think no, so? No. You just got to eyeball it. You eyeball something, you know. You got to have that picture in your head of what you want it to look like, and then you can create that. Once you got it in your head and how you want it to look, you, you, you visualize it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Nice. That's outstanding. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> it's standing room only in the waiting area, and nobody seems to mind. Everyone is enjoying the company. One of Buffalo's singing cops stops yeah. in to say hello. Producer Lorenzo Rodriguez hops in a chair for a fresh cut. Associate producer Charles Gilbert makes an appointment for Saturday. Time and basketball coach Jason Rowe sits in another chair, looking like a coach should after his school won its first Manhattan Cup in two decades. For Kenny Harris, the sport was football, though his vocation seems to be making friends and keeping friends. You know, I'm going to tell you a, st a story, right? I was... um. One day I was not, this is when I was playing with the 49ers, right? Yeah. And I um I was working, I was actually stretching. I was in the stretch line. I'm like, man, I could cut hair, man. It's so much easier. You know? And then I was like, you know, it, you know, it's, it's it was nice and everything. It was, you know, it was I said I got I gotta I gotta cut hair. And it was just always in me. Like it was in me. Like, like I had the I just, I just had it like a knack. You know, when I was in college, I cut the whole team. I was a team barber, and the coach would always tell me, you got to get some sleep, man. You got to get some sleep. But you go cut everybody here before the game. What about you? You know, and I, you know, I was, I went to the University of Pittsburgh, you know. I, so you didn't get a lot of sleep when you were playing ball? No. I did, but I didn't. Because that's a... It's tough to recover if you're not getting your rest. Exactly. No, you're right. You're 100%. Yeah. But I was actually playing. I was, I was... I was trying to work. I was working, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Always working, huh? Yeah. That come from your, is that like a work ethic from your dad or your mom? My dad, my grandparents, yes. Dad? Yes, yep. My dad, my grandparents, like my grandfather was paralyzed, man, from the waist down. So he had me doing all the work for him, you know what I mean? And I, and I loved it, though. Like, I didn't even realize what I was doing, but it was, you know, it taught me to become a better, a better person, a better man, you know what I mean? To be consistent, more consistent with everything. Is your dad from Buffalo? Yeah, he's from Buffalo. Yeah. Parents from Buffalo. Where do you go to school? He went to Bennett. You went to my Bennett? My dad went to Bennett High School, yep. 
All right, so you're 44, so your dad's probably older than me then. I'm 61. He's about 69. 69. So yep. he was a little past Bob Lanier. Yep. Was he with Curtis Aiken? Was he in that, that, that Actually, time? I think he was a little before Curtis Aiken, too. Before, so Curtis Aiken is my guy. You know he went to Pitt also. See, that's right. That's I that's forgot that. He that's did. right. You, did he bring you down? He, he, bring, he, 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 he welcomed me. Definitely welcomed me into Pittsburgh. Definitely. Yeah. Man. You know, and he kind of inspired me to get a barbershop also because he had a barbershop right there on the hill, right near, right on campus. Oh, come basically. on. Yep. Oh, yeah. How's he doing? He's good. He's good. I've actually, I haven't talked to him in a while, though. But he's still in Pittsburgh. But I know he's still in Pittsburgh. Yeah, doing his thing. Does he keep his roots around here? Yeah, definitely. He definitely, definitely. Okay. Nice. All right. All right. So your dad went to Ben. What did he do for a living? My dad actually was a, um, he was a lab tech, like engineer. It's the engineer. Engineer, yeah. Yeah, he worked at uh, Honeywell. Honeywell. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. Now you went to St. Joe's. Yep, I went to St. Joe's. But if you were, to, did you grow up in the city of Buffalo? Yeah, I grew up on Wyoming and Delavan. Yep. Wyoming and Delavan. Yep. So, what we're school would you have gone to if you didn't go to Joe's? Man. Yeah. Kenny Harris calls yeah. Bennett D1 High and thinks the city of Buffalo is full of great athletes, but they need year-round facilities to reach their potential. He says his shop has a role to play in the community. That's why they recently hosted a youth basketball tournament at McCarthy Park. That's why they gave out free cuts outside the Jefferson Avenue tops last year. Another barber comes free. It's Justin Hawkins, best known as Juju. They say he's a LeBron James fan, but today he's wearing the colors of my favorite team, the Buffalo Braves. What about the Buffalo Braves? You're not old enough to remember the Buffalo Braves. Yeah, I am. No, I'm definitely not old enough. I just like the style. I like to represent Buffalo as much as possible. Yeah, you from Buffalo? Yeah, I'm from Buffalo. Where'd you go to school? Arch Tech. Oh, yeah? Arch yeah, Tech, yeah? Yeah. yeah? yeah. Oh, nice. When did you become a barber? Ten years ago, I got the barber shop. Ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And what, uh, what, um, are you going to this expo in, uh, Connecticut this yeah, weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just booked all my stuff today. Okay. Yeah. What do you Besides, expect? You know, I don't know what to expect. This is my first time ever. I've been cutting for 10 years and never been to one. So I definitely expect it to be big. A lot of barbers, a lot of stuff I've never seen before. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Is it a way of uh, getting a look at other people's ideas and maybe use it on your own? Exactly. Because I'm super creative. So I like to see what other people go do and see what type of creativity that could, that could involve in me. Like, so if I see something, I'm like, okay, I can put certain things together and be like, okay, I can do that now. So do you do you visualize the design that you're gonna do For sure. before you go, yeah? For sure, yeah, yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like some movie type stuff. Like I can literally see it and I can, it's like I'm tracing it and it's not actually there, but I can see it as if it is there already. Wow. Yeah. Now, did you ever always, were you able to do that like with like, Drawing? It, yeah, so like I, I was always really good at drawing. Oh. Yep, so it, it, it transferred naturally to Barbara. Okay, yeah. all right, okay, that makes, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. So when I was first coming up, like, as a barber, that was, like, one of the first things I actually did was, like, draw designs to build up my clientele until I got good at the other stuff, because that stuff came naturally to me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the instruments, were no problem learning the instruments and no. the blades and stuff like that. Surprisingly, no. It was pretty easy. No cutting? Nobody yeah. got cut? No, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> no. I couldn't I couldn't do it. Not a chance now. For real. It, it, it's difficult. I wouldn't advise somebody just to jump in and try it, but for me, it came naturally. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's, that's certain stuff don't come natural for everybody. Like, it might not be what came natural for me, 
but it might be another area of cutting hair that come natural for everybody. I think it's interesting that that, that you can visualize it like yeah. that. I don't, I don't think I, a lot of people can do that. Right, I, I, I don't think so either. So yeah, I, I like that. I like that I'm able to do that. Yeah. yeah, okay, all right, all right. Yeah. So how's business been? It's been really good. Yeah? Yeah, it's been really good. I've been kind of, I had a side, side of clientele for at least like eight years now, so business is usually always built for me. Yeah? Yeah, for real. Yeah. How many days? How many days a week do you work then? Six. You work six Monday six. through Saturday. Yeah, Monday through Saturday, take off Sunday, and I do have shorter days like Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I have shorter days, and then like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm here all day. From oh, okay. So you can cut out a little early on the other day. Exactly. Makes up for it a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And those those are slower days. People usually want a haircut for the weekend. So Thursday, Friday, like today, Thursday, I got in at eight twenty. I'd probably be here to to seven o'clock. Hey, like, so one of the things, so like, about business, if you, I mean, you gotta, like, take care of all your expenses and all that stuff, you know, right? I don't know, how, how do you do that? So, so, you know, I actually just got my LLC probably two months ago, and now I'm figuring out now, but now I got a business bank account, and I got a business credit card, and I just do all my business all through the business credit card. Okay, so it's all right there, like, the yeah, right the one spot, yeah, so the, the business credit card is also through the business bank account, so everything is in one account, and then... So it's actually a lot more simple because now all the transactions on that card is just my expenses. So it's actually simple commodity. Right. Yeah. I, I gotta figure that out because I stuff beats me up. Yeah. Hey, I YouTube everything, so I look into all that stuff and figure out what's the best way to do it. Yeah, you learn off of YouTube. Yeah, huh? everything. I actually, I actually went. I learned how to cut hair off of YouTube. I never went to barber school. <laughs> yeah, I learned off of YouTube. I learned everything off of YouTube. That's incredible. Yeah. That is really, really incredible. Wow. Nice. Well, very good. Nice, uh, nice talking to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We thank you for joining us. This has been Buffalo What's Next, Producers Picks. We'd like to thank all our guests this week, including Nakaya McCann from Buffalo Extreme, Dan White and Osman Ndawusawa from Healing Grounds, and the crew at Signature Cuts. As a reminder, Buffalo What's Next airs on WBFO every weekday, 10 to 11, and with a re-airing each weeknight at 9 p.m. Also, each episode of Buffalo What's Next is also available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as the Amplify BTPM app, and also on demand at WBFO.org. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Buffalo What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. This is WBFO History Bite, bringing you a peek into significant historical events for the week of June 26th through July 2nd. I'm your host and WBFO Program Director Tom Barich. This is one of the more recent ones I've brought up. New York legalizes equal marriage on June 26th, 2011. And taking a cue from New York, the U.S. Supreme Court follows suit and legalizes equal marriage nationwide on June 26th, 2015. June 27th, 1986, a new band advertises in the Buffalo News about a local show with their very first time playing out at the Continental in Buffalo. That band, the Goo Goo Dolls. June 29th, 1894, writer of White Fang and The Call of the Wild, Jack London, is sentenced to 30 days in the Erie County Penitentiary for vagrancy. 
July 1st, 1936, the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra, the world-famous BPO, incorporated on this date. And one more fact here, while the idea of electric vehicles may seem like a new idea, the very first EV tested for the U.S. Postal Service occurred on July 2nd, 1899. You've been listening to the WBFO History Bite. Discover more stories about Western New York's past on the Buffalo History Museum's website. Learn more at buffalohistory.org. For WBFO, I'm Tom Barich.